From Portland, it's the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This week, the team looks ahead to some amazing spring weather. They also answer your weather questions and have your city of the week. Now, here they are, Brian McMillan, Mark Nelson, Jeff Forgeron, and Ann Campolongo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. I'm meteorologist Brian McMillan. There is meteorologist Jeff Forgeron. Hey, Jeff. Hey. And meteorologist Ann Campolongo. Hey, Ann. Hi, Brian. And of course, we can't do it without Chief Meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Well, hey, actually, you could, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and we have, I think it'd actually. Be fine. <laughs> hey, uh, we have a fun uh, filled podcast for you this week. This is uh, episode 19, so we've almost made it to 20 here. Uh, it's been a quiet weather week. In fact, it's been a quiet couple of weeks, but. We got a lot of fun stuff, including some of your own weather questions that you were uh, that you sent in on Facebook and Twitter. We really appreciate that. But first, let's get to our local headlines. The news headlines are next. Here's what's happening right now. All right. So, like I said, kind of a quiet weather week here coming up. But boy. What an absolutely gorgeous past couple of days it's been. And we have a few more nice days ahead. Guys, we could see our uh, warmest day of the year so far coming up here this weekend. If if the forecast is still tracking as we thought it was uh, yesterday. So, Mark, what are you thinking? When does it ever not track exactly like we expect? Right? (laughs) Actually, I have the fresh forecast. This is Ann Campolongo. She just did the forecast here, and then we we usually discuss and negotiate if there's an issue. Um, Typically, there's not an issue. With Ann, there's never an issue. There's issues. (laughs) There is never an issue, but, you know, we negotiate, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Um, and so... If Mark sees something wrong, usually. It's like, what What were you thinking? Actually, I'm going to fess up yesterday. Um, that It happened yesterday. Yeah, when you walked out yesterday, <laughs> did you notice I lowered government camp, the high temp? No. You had a 45, and then you had like 33 at Timberline, and I'm like, well, how could it be that different? But I didn't want to be a jerk, and so I so I lowered government camp down to 42, and I think right now I'm checking, and I noticed... What is it at? 46. Oh, 46. Mark. Oh, my gosh. What a jerk. No, I didn't notice that. That's my favorite. My favorite is when Mark comes in and he kind of, you know, well, we we can't use the word on the podcast. Yeah, we can. But he does something. (laughs) I'll just say it. It's like a dog peeing on it. It has to go through the parking lot and pee on the tire because somebody else already marked that one. And so Mark has to come in and change a number, right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, yeah. there's some sort of satisfaction that Ann and I get when you're wrong. It's, I don't know. Yeah. As you should. That's totally fair. <laughs> so um, Ann is going for 60 tomorrow. Sounds good to me. And we, we sat there. You know, this is we yeah, our that. thinking of when we when we do something like this. When we have a fair weather pattern like this and we're, we're going into a warm up or something, usually it'll be like, oh, are the models, you know, are they nailing the number correctly? Uh, and in the case of today, it's like, okay, let's see what the high ends up being today because both GFS and Euro say will be the same tomorrow. So if we make it to 61 today, we'll probably just bump up tomorrow's high to 61. Regardless, they all show a little bit of warming for Saturday just ahead of an approaching cold front. So light southeasterly flow. And so we're going to go 64, which we haven't been above 60 yet this season at PDX. So this would be the warmest so far this season. Brian, you are correct. Awesome. And then things kind of cool down a little bit here as we get into Sunday and Monday. Mm-hmm. We get this this time of year, we... We see those. I like the the roller coaster ride of the uh, snow levels, you know. So we'll maybe we'll catch some snow and then it'll rain and then, you know it's, it goes up and down and up and down and then finally we get into April and things get a little steadier. 
Did you say snow? We're going to catch some snow? Not here. here. Not here. Up in the mountain. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It doesn't look that cold. Euro's no. minus 8, 850 millibars Monday morning. That seems overdone, doesn't it? Yeah, we were we were kind of uh, laughing about maybe the chance of a little bit of snow there on Sunday night. Not actually, not, the I'm just looking at the euro right now. That uh, all the its ensembles are like minus six to minus eight. That's pretty close. Top of the West Hills might have flurries mixed in on on uh, Monday morning, maybe. But that's well, probably it. You're right. No, no snow in the lowlands. Uh, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to these next couple of days. Get outside, soak in some of that vitamin D because uh, we haven't had that in a while, have we? No. Guys, I have a, a segment we haven't done in a while here. Let's do our weather questions. Don't know why All those clouds are in the sky Weather questions Why, 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 why? All right, so, so I asked a little bit earlier today on Twitter and on Facebook... Uh, if if people could submit their weather questions to us, sometimes we get weather questions like, hey, what's the weather going to be like in Salem in five weeks? <laughs> That's not the kind of thing we're looking for. <laughs> what we're looking for are, you know, more general weather questions or maybe some behind the scenes stuff. We've got some really, really good stuff here. And first question I'm going to start off is from Greg Brody. And Greg asks, do you think that Oregon needs better weather radar coverage? And if so, where? Oh, my gosh. It's like. <laughs> where do we start? Yeah. Where do we start? Well, I, here's here's what ahead. I would say about this. I think we need two. Uh, it, definitely two. One in central Oregon. And one would be really nice out along the central Oregon coast. Would you agree? Exactly. Yes. Well, yeah. Let's lay the lay down the issue here. Oregon, the Oregon coastline has the worst coastal radar coverage of any state in the union. All right. That's because we have two, way back in the early, uh, they're called WSR 88Ds, which tells you that in 1988 is about when they were kind of getting organized and coming up with this plan to install this nationwide network of radars. It was right after I came out of college. And, um, and, and Portland got theirs, I think, in 95. 1995. And so in Oregon, you've got one in Portland, you've got one in Medford, and you've got one in Pendleton. And in Washington, up until a few years ago, there was one in north of Seattle and one in Spokane. That was it. I mean, that's terrible. Wow. That means we didn't have one at the coastline, but I understand why the weather service in Portland would want one, you know, one close to the office. And also, if they would have put that one northwest Oregon radar at the coast, what would we do for thunderstorms over the North Cascades in the summertime? It would hardly see them. So terrain is a big issue here. Medford, and you've been down there, that is the worst because that thing is sitting on top of Mount right. Ashland at 8,000 feet. And keep in mind, the radar beam feet. goes up. Yeah. So by the time that radar beam heads out, what, I don't know, 50 miles, it's already missing all low-level weather events. It's great for thunderstorms in the summer. So, yeah, we have terrible coverage. Now, you may remember, folks, back, uh, I don't know, was it has it been like eight years now, five or eight years? Um, a group of citizens and, and the senators up in Washington got together, and they, they put in another radar on the, on the Washington coast right at Ocean Shores, just west of Aberdeen. So that covers down to the northern Oregon coast. But, yeah, we have a big hole in Eugene. We have a big hole in central Oregon, except for thunderstorms. Radar from Pendleton can see the thunderstorms. Um, and then uh, also a hole all along the central and southern Oregon coast. And there are no 
there are no more of those WSR 88Ds. I mean, they, they would have to do something totally different, which is a big issue. And so there's been a congressional study. And you can go to my weather blog, and I, I explain the radar gap. And Cliff Mass, who we've talked about in the past, and a professor up at the UW, he's talked about it. He said, you guys need to get it together down there in Oregon and get yourselves more radar. And he's got ideas. Everybody's got ideas. Nothing's really happening, though. And it's, it's expensive, but in the grand scheme of, of the national government, I wouldn't say it's too terribly expensive. We're talking about a million dollars here, right, Mark? I don't know how much it must be. I, yeah, I'm guessing at least that. I think it costs maybe half a million a year to run or something like that to just operate yeah, okay. it. I don't know. I don't know. The solution is a bunch of money. And um, I and always I think, I, Mark, I, maybe um, maybe you should contribute and just, you know, part of your salary can go to that. I'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll contribute a percentage. <laughs> Small we should uh, we should try to find some investment in uh, a mobile radar, <laughs> plop it on Mark's vehicle, and then we'll just see Mark driving around. We can also track when he's driving through a snow, you know, a drift of some sort, so we don't lose you ever again, Mark. Yeah, we don't want to get lost. <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. yeah. Or there was even suggestion. Everybody has a different idea. You talk to the weather geeks, and some people say, well, what if we had just one more radar and it was put at the coast in the winter? And then in Central Oregon in the summer for the thunderstorms. But the problem is, then we um, we saw this in Bend that within the last two two months where uh, Ben can get that upslope northerly flow coming into central Oregon. You can have the entire snowstorm, a foot of snow, all below 10,000 foot elevation. That's where it's being generated. And the Pendleton radar can't see that. So those poor weather people over in Bend will sit there with nothing to show on radar and they've got eight inches of snow on the ground. Ooh. Big issue. That yeah. would be hard. I Brian, forecasted there. It was really tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Brian. Yeah. 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 That, w- that would be hard Call to- your... Uh, Call your senator and your representatives. Yep. They control all the money. So, I mean, TV, st- TV stations aren't going to put money nowadays into a, you know, a million, $2 million radar. No. Yeah. Not nowadays, unfortunately. Big thanks to Greg for sending that question. That's good a good question. one. Hey, here's, here's another one. This one's from Daniel Potter. Uh, Daniel asked, how does everybody split up their forecast duties at the station, especially when you have multiple weather people working? Anybody Jeff, how do you guys wanna? do it in the yeah. morning? Yeah, Jeff, how do you and Andy handle it? That's a good question. Um, frankly, I tend to handle, when I'm in studio, I tend to handle a lot of the graphic duties, the forecast duties, um, and Andy focuses on his show typically from about 5 to 9 o'clock, uh, and I'll contribute in between. Uh we try not, and this is just the way I approach it, I try not to veer too far away from what you guys forecast the night before for consistency. I mean, what's you know moving a temperature three or four degrees or two or three degrees? I mean, if there's an obvious reason for it, if I see the fog is thick and we weren't you know expecting a thick layer of fog, then uh, it makes sense to bump it down a little bit. But um, for consistency purposes, like we try to keep it as... Um, as similar as we can to the night before, but, um, but Andy, Andy tends to handle it on his own when I'm not in studio. So that's kind of how we approach it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff and Andy clean up our mess when we make a mistake here (laughs) in the evening, the night before. So what about, Anne? how do we work it here with, with me, you and Mark? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, I guess it just kind of depends on who's working in the afternoon, but usually either Brian or myself or Mark will do the forecast. Just one of us depending on who's in a little bit earlier. And then we kind of talk about it and then we'll kind of all put the data together and then make graphics and kind of discuss like the bigger weather stories of the night. 
you know, usually it's whoever has the earlier schedule in the evening has to do the forecast. So um, on a day where uh, usually Mark's doing the late shows, so usually it's Anne or me doing the forecast. And then Mark puts his either uh, stamp of approval on it or his tears it up right in front of us and then gives us a new sheet of paper and says, nice try, do it again. Do right, it right Mark? next time. Right, a, you guys are making a, me out to be this meteorological he's a monster. monster. He's a Jeez. monster. Now you guys help. You help guys us. nailed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's collaboration, and there are sometimes where like somebody's got an appointment or something, and it, it, who who you know, let's say if one of you is earlier, and you'll say, "Hey, can you do the forecast today?" Or I might be all excited about some snow event and say, "Wait, I want to do the forecast. I want in on this." And then I'll just do it from home. So during the snow days, when it gets crazy, I do it from home and have it done by before 1 p.m. Because all our the Euro comes in at midday. We have no other model info. Jeff? Well, I was just going to state that when the forecast becomes more impactful, when we see a winter storm or maybe a set of thunderstorm potential, some kind of thunderstorm setup coming, um, it's not like we're disconnected either. We have a text message group. We're communicating. Oftentimes, we'll communicate with with an email as well. So um, there is certainly a collaboration. But if, of course, if we're in a much more benign or uh, calm weather pattern like we are right now, uh, we tend to rely on the ensembles. Uh, if we see that something is flipping six or seven days out toward the end of the seven day, like say for instance, uh, next Friday, we're anticipating dry weather. And all of a sudden I wake up in the morning and I see a little change in the ensemble forecast. I may add a shower chance, but I don't want to go all in either. Cause I want you guys to be able to see what you're seeing on the evening newscast too, with the new computer models coming in. So it's a big collaborative er effort in my opinion. And something and for what folks, go ahead, Brian. Go I was just going to say, we're really communicative too. We have a text message thread and we all bounce things off of each other too. And folks, a viewer should remember that what, what we do, like half our job is meteorology. The other half is television. And so, and actually we spend uh, less time actually making the forecast and then putting all that information into all these various graphics we use, notes to the yeah. newsroom, Facebook, Twitter. So actually more of our time is spent once we have the forecast made doing all the other things before we even get to TV. I mean, before we get pretty and make ourselves presentable for television. All right. Now, this is the last question. I want you to look deep into your soul here. Okay. okay. Your forecasting soul. This is from uh, a Twitter from at Rip City Weather. Do you have any specific bias when producing weather forecasts? Mark. <laughs> what do you guys think? Be honest. Like wish casting? Uh, like, do, do you have a warm bias, a cool bias? Do you like one model over the others? Things like that. Is is there something now? Mark absolutely <laughs> loves the Euro model. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, All yeah. the other models could just go away, and Mark would be happy embracing his Euro model. Number one global model most of the time. <laughs> Unless it's not right. When it's not, and, that's not good. And Mark, people have joked that you have a little bit of a warm bias too. Do you do you agree with that? Here's what I'll tell you. I'm just let me mess with my camera here because I'm not looking quite right. Oh, now it's falling off. All right, so let's forget about the camera. I'm, I'm still here. Here we go. I'm getting um, really dizzy. I have a feeling that came from one of the weather geeks that we know, just a gut feeling. And I know what they're saying. They're saying Mark, Mark's always poo-pooing the snow events or poo-pooing the not so much the cold air, but um, you know why? Because the weather geeks, and I'm one of them, except that I happen to work in television, um, always want to go for snow and cold. That's what we like, right? Well, until it happens yeah. for five days. 
And so, um, I mean, we just, so, several of us are members of different, you know, Facebook weather groups, and boy, the anticipation before these events, it's like, oh, and they get each other worked up into a lather, and oh my gosh, the GFS has 25 inches of snow Valentine's Day weekend. Is that going to happen? Yeah. Wait, Mark's only saying maybe maybe 2 to 12 inches or whatever we had at the time. But um, yeah, so I would say I try to inject a dose of reality, and, and Jeff nailed it, the ensembles. Oh my gosh, like this last big event ensemble saved us at one point that euro was yeah. too warm uh i was just, because i'm putting together my winter recap presentation right now and i realized there was one night where the euro went all warm and it's like ooh, its ensembles were perfect so yeah i tend to i like the euro but uh once in a while the gfs is right I, once a year. I, if i can make a once comment a if i can make a comment on that um <laughs> just like broadly speaking i think that this is like commonplace with a lot of meteorologists we get set on a forecast and then once it's in place we're so like focused on, okay, I hope this pans out. Like I hope the clouds break and we actually warm up or yeah. vice versa. Um, and it's so important if you're, let's say, a young student that wants to be a meteorologist or a young meteorologist, always keep an open mind because the atmosphere is an open fluid. It's not like a pipe with water flowing in through it. There's so many different things that affect our forecasts in one location. So you always need to keep an open mind because like the morning of, for instance, after like, let's say Mark, Brian, and Ann have been nailing the forecast the night before, something very small can happen and that can affect the forecast. And so like try to stay away as best as possible from wish casting, especially if it's a forecast you're excited about, a heat wave or a snowstorm, because it can bite you in the you know what if you're not careful. In a forecast, would you be willing to go to 100 faster than the rest of well, us? Well, I think like all of us, I think, I think if we're all like borderline 98, 99, of course we want to add that triple digit in there. It looks like, oh, it's exciting. And we're in news. You know, part of us wants, like I think we're posting things to Facebook and we want to see more people excited about what we're posting. So I think there's like a draw to that too. But you have to be really careful uh, that there's a good reason behind it before you actually put it in the seven day. And of course, you got to get it approved by Mark, that monster. He'll, he'll get you. He'll get you. I know. And and what do you think? Do you think you're more conservative, or what, what do you think? Um, no, I I uh, I don't know. I think I like to play it safe a lot, but I will say in the summertime, I think I'm more of the warm bias. I'm more likely to go a little bit warmer gotcha. than colder in the in summertime. The summer. Okay, here. I go a little cooler mm-hmm. in the summertime. Uh, I think I have a cool bias in the summer. Um, and I've learned from Mark a warm bias in the winter. So I keep things a little more conservative because I, I don't want it, I don't want it biting me, but some of the meteorologists around town go absolutely crazy with stuff and they, they go out on a ledge and sometimes they're right. And sometimes they're really wrong. <laughs> sometimes they get burned. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys, I have a couple, a couple more things for us. Uh, first is extreme weather. Extreme weather. All right, so inspectors are assessing damage left behind by mudslides in Orange County, California. People are trapped in their homes down there after uh, just feet of mud have covered roads and uh, slammed into houses. Uh, Ann and and Jeff, you both covered this a little bit, but uh, Ann, uh, the totals weren't that big down there in Southern California, but it was more about like what happened earlier a few months ago, right? Right, yeah, a lot of the rain uh, that they received, uh, let's see, yesterday morning, I believe it was, was right on all of the burn scars, uh, specifically uh, the Silverado fire and I believe the Bond fire down in Southern California. So just like here in Oregon, when you get a lot of rain in a small amount of time, 
it just destroys, the land's already destroyed from the fires and nothing sticks, obviously. So that was kind of the big issue. And unfortunately it was, from what I saw, it looked like it was in a neighborhood and area, residential areas where a lot of people had to uh, evacuate. Some of the video is just crazy. The mud just keeps yeah. coming and coming. These landslides, like it's just, it's nuts. And Jeff, you used to live down in that area. When you're talking about a half inch of rain, and we might laugh at that up here, but down there, a half inch to an inch of rain in a short period of time, that must feel like a lot to them. It's a ton of rain, and this this is nothing new. Um, I actually, my brother lived near Santa Barbara. Uh, this was probably around 2009, 2010, and he's spoken with families out there that have stories in communities where mudslides have taken out homes, have buried homes, buried like families alive, unfortunately. Uh, these things can come very quickly. Unfortunately, um, I think because we don't experience a lot of rain in Southern California, people get complacent. Um, they... They don't take it as seriously as they should. Um, we get a lot of wildfires. There aren't just burn scars from recent wildfires. There are burn scars from five years ago, six years ago. And so there are, are a lot of vulnerable spots. And um, the terrain is pretty extreme as you drive uh, the Pacific Coast Highway, Highway 1. It's it's honestly very similar to Oregon. Um, you just you have large you know hilltops that are adjacent to the, the highway. And... Um, you get a lot of rain at once and they'll just the water will come pouring down not just on a community but also on the highway itself so um and this i believe that i, I forget the number but i think it's 30 to 50 percent i'm sorry the dog's barking 30 to 50 percent of the west coast rainfall comes from atmospheric rivers and these atmospheric rivers can often lead to the mudslides too but um, just a quick hitting rainstorm half an inch is all you really need for a major mudslide so um it's probably not the last of it either. They'll probably get a few more of these through May or so as well. Up in the uh, Rockies out there in Denver, Colorado, oh Boulder, gosh. Colorado, they're about to get hammered with some snowfall. Uh, out in Boulder, they could see 20 to 30 inches by the time we hit Monday morning. The Denver area could see 10 to 20 inches here just over the next few days. Keep in mind, guys, we're in the middle part of March right now. What an epic snowstorm heading that direction. Jeff, you covered this this morning, right? Yeah, and and I what's really going to be happening is it's going to be this. Remember earlier this week we got the rainfall and some mountain snow and the hail showers as well. That system moves so slowly down south. That's what's been bringing the rain and snow to California. It's going to drift slowly over the desert southwest. It's almost going to park itself over the four corners and then it's going to make its way over the central plains. Mark, earlier you described some of the big snowstorms that we get in central Oregon are from the upslope flow. And that's exactly what's going to happen. The system's going to eject over the plains, and that counterclockwise rotation is going to push the wind upslope, front range of the Casc or the, the Rockies. That's how they get their big snowstorms, and that's exactly what they're going to get out of this. And I think it's also going to result in maybe some severe weather in the central U.S. as well. It's like that perfect scenario that's setting up right now where a springtime low-pressure system is going to get just is going to nail the Rockies, and then it's going to bring thunderstorms east as well. Crazy, crazy. All right. Well, we have one more thing to get to here, you guys. Mark has selected a city of the week. Let's get to it. Time now for cities of the week. What do you got for us, Mark? 
Well, here we go. So um, the, the idea, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, it's just for fun. We, um, we a little oh, quizzing for money? of the weather team It's not here. for money? No, there's no money involved. Oh. It's just your pride. Comp day. Right? No comp days. <laughs> we don't observe comp days at Meredith Corporation. Um, so uh, I, I have a city here that's, um, well, we'll get, we'll get to it. But the, the point is, um, you guys need to guess what city I'm talking about. We do this because not only because uh, um, we like history a little bit, but there's a weather angle. We, we talk about the weather in this city. In this case, it's a city that's within our viewing area. Oh. Got it. Anybody have any guesses? That doesn't narrow it down too <laughs> much. Portland. I... Portland. So this city was named after the only U.S. senator ever killed in military combat. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Population right now is 9,800. It was platted in 1865. It grew slowly in the beginning. Post office by 1866. Not incorporated till 1874. Can I ask a question, um, Mark? Is this yes, in, you can. Is this in eastern Oregon? It's in the eastern half of the state, yes. Okay. I can't answer because I'm going to fess up. I accidentally saw Mark's sheet. No. Oh, no. I was an accident. You just had it laying there. I don't want to cheat. Over on the Usually printer? I would cheat. Why were you looking at my sheet? <laughs> no, it was on your desk. Oh, because you were looking for those was, cookies. <laughs> No. You were scanning that desk. Where, where the heck did no, Mark get those cookies? Okay. So I'm out of the game. So you're gonna opt out. Okay. Move well, your camera, okay. Mark, because I want to see your whole face. If I could just see your eyes. Oh, there you go. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you trying to I, read I his poker face? I don't like looking at myself. There you go. Is this is this oh. to read his poker face? There you Brian? go, right there. Okay. So um, <laughs> in in 1910, this city. Uh, the I don't want to say the city. In, in 1910, this city voted to shorten the name. And then in 1989, they restored the original name, which made the name longer. Oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, uh, I'm going to... No. Pendleton... There's a big hotel there. There's a big fancy hotel. Lots of Victorian homes in this city. It's in a valley. And uh, it's in the eastern third of the state. Okay, I've narrowed it down to one third of the state. In the eastern third of the state, it was on the Oregon Trail. Beautiful valley. There's a mountain range to the west called the Elkhorns. There's a river running through it called the Powder River on the way to the Snake River. Sounds nice. Oh, good Lord. Pendleton. Is that three? Uh, nope. Baker City. Yes. Yes! We got the, yes. Very good, Brian. Very good. Baker City. Oh, because they named it Baker, didn't they? They got rid of City. I was thinking it was going to be something that was a long name, right? But they called yeah, it they, Baker um, Yes, because when I was growing up, it was always Baker, and then in That's 1989, right. uh, they restored the name back to Baker that. City, which was the original. Um, interesting. And uh, 3,400 feet, so it's High Valley. We'll get to the weather in a second. I thought it was interesting. So remember, I said it was the only U.S. senator ever killed in military combat. It was during the. Um, oh, it was. What was his name, Mr. Baker? Well, Senator Edward D. Baker. And it's interesting because he died in 1861 while leading a charge of 1,700 Union Army soldiers up a ridge at Balls Bluff, Virginia. There you go. That's your history. How about that? Balls Bluff. Huh. So you want to know about the weather, don't you? Average high, July and August, uh, mid-80s. Average low in July and August. This seems kind of low for what we see. Oh, wait. I, I read it wrong. Okay. The average low is 46, 45. In the summertime. And, um, yeah, summertime. So nice cool nights, uh, hot afternoons, which means lots of days in the 90s, lots in the 80s, a few in the 70s. And then it cools off quickly by October, the average high is 61. And by December and January, the average high is right around freezing, 33, 34. And the average low is uh, mid-teens. 
So That's continental cold. climate, as we say, averages only 10 inches of rain. You drive over there and it's pretty dry. Um, but they have lots of irrigated valley, of course, because of the mountains around. So lots of water there. And average snowfall is 27.3 inches. So they get a good amount of snow each year in Baker City. It's not like, you know, a horrendously snowy place, but it's a continental climate with large uh, diurnal day-to-night temperature range. I have not had a reason to visit Baker City. Uh, I've, I've visited La Grande, but I haven't visited Baker City. I, uh, I feel like I, w- I want to go there someday. Is Baker City off 84 coming out of Idaho? It's right on the freeway. Uh, yeah, it's right on the freeway. You come down after you go through yeah. a lot of nothing. I drove you, through I, I there. Yeah, but the I drove whole area through there from, moved, yeah, when I moved yeah. here. Um, so yes. that's about all I got. It's very pretty country. It's beautiful over there. Good stuff. Is the hotel winter. actually really nice? Geyser Grand Hotel. I think uh, Shauna oh. stayed there once. I've not been there. I've driven by a hundred times. Well, okay, I'm gonna look ten it times. Up. And it's it's apparently it's beautiful. The Geyser Grand Hotel. I have to check that out. Yeah, we should do a, That's my city we should do a weather retreat out there. Good job, Brian. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Podcast on the road. Yeah. Take a road trip. Now we're talking. That'd be fun. Can you imagine four of us on the road, motorhome. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so fun. Do you think we'd get tired of each other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think we so. would. <laughs> You'd get tired of me is yeah. the problem. <laughs> I wouldn't tire of you, that folks. Be You'd funny. be tired of me. Oh, man. Well, uh, hey guys, got anything else going on? I know they're doing some. They've been doing. If you've been hearing uh, things behind Mark's microphone, they've been installing new new uh, monitors, LED monitors, and stuff like that. So uh, we've had that going on here today, Jeff. Yeah, I started um, some seedlings in my arrow garden to sprout some stuff. Um, we typically average our last frost in Portland on March nineteenth, so we're about eight days or so, a little over a week away from that. Uh, last frost, excuse me, last freeze, 32 degrees. I think we could still get a frost into well into April. Um, but I feel like once we get beyond March 19th, we're a little more safe. So I'm starting to get an itch to get the garden going again. I'm starting to see on my apple trees, things are starting to, you know, the the uh, buds are starting to, yeah, the exactly. Yep. Um, so things are starting to change around the neighborhood, as are my sinuses. Things are starting to change in my nostrils. Yeah. Oh, Has yes. anybody started to notice that? Oh, a little no. bit of a tingling there? I haven't yet. Okay. Not yet. Sore throat yesterday. Okay. The, yeah. t- the tree pollen's <laughs> starting to go up. I don't think the grass is there yet, but uh, that I we updated the allergy report, and I think we're going to start using that a little bit more. So. Okay. Mark, you have something to tell us. What's going on? Yeah, you know, once a year, the American Meteorological Society, the, the Oregon chapter, we put on this, uh, you know, what happened this past winter? And I got to tell you, until mid-February, I thought I'd have nothing to talk about. I, I put this presentation together, and I'm be like a 10-minute presentation, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> but what do you know? Those four days, it really is amazing, actually, by the way, when I look through the, the – since that time, hardly anything has happened either. So it really is about those four days. So anyway, anybody can watch it this year. It'll be full of, like, weather graphics and um, all sorts of interesting weather talk. It's a weather geek's dream come true for about an hour or so. It'll be next Thursday. What is that? The 18th, uh, 7 p.m., you can go to the Oregon AMS webpage. We'll also put out a Facebook link, and you can watch it on Facebook, but you don't have to be on Facebook to watch it on Facebook. I think that's how it works. Anyway, um, I will put a, a note on my blog as to where you can find it. So 7 awesome. p.m. next Thursday, not this Thursday, which is today. Good stuff. Yeah, and uh, Mark, you always do a great job with that every year. Lots so, of graphics. Uh, good, good stuff. Hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us and uh you know we'll be back next week as well in the meantime enjoy this beautiful sunshine we got Ugh. a few more days of it soak Ugh. in that so vitamin nice. d baby it's mm. awesome awesome out there and hey be safe
We'll see you next week. Thanks, Brian. Bye, Brian. See ya. Do you have a weather question? Call 503-548-6484 and leave a message. It could be featured on a future episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Head to kptv.com for the latest forecast and weather information for your area. 